0: We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. I want you to turn your attention to the book of Matthew chapter 9. Thank you so much, praise and worship team, for leading us, and being such a blessing. Then they do such a good job this morning? Man, it felt good in the house. It felt good in the house. And as you're turning to Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to dismiss our classes ages 3 to 11. Our classes, our 7, or 6 to 11 year olds are going out the doors to my left. Uh, the two back doors to my left. If you can open those doors for them so they can see exactly what I'm talking about. There we go. See the light. Ah, hallelujah. And all of my five, three to five-year-olds out to my right. They're going to have a great time today in Sunday school. They're going to be blessed. If you're a guest today and you have a child ages 3 to 11, they can be dismissed at this time if you would like them to be. Our teachers will meet them, greet them, and take them to class, and you'll be able to pick them up when service is over. I failed to say this last week, but I need to say it this week. If you have a child in the student center when service is over, please go to the student center and go to your child's class and pick your child up. We love your child, but we need you to pick your child up. We, we are so thankful that you would entrust us to watch them for the time that you have allowed us to. But we would like you to come and take them back into your possession. Amen. Relieve us of the burden. Now I'm just playing. Just make sure you don't don't forget your kids. Don't forget your children. Matthew 9, I'm going to begin in verse 35. Matthew 9 and 35. And when you have it, just shout, I got it. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Man, every Yes, every. Healing every. Every sickness, every disease among the people. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. And saith he unto his disciples, the harvest Truly, truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And then in verse 38, he tells him, He said, Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Amen. This morning I like to preach to you on this subject, and maybe a little bit different message than you're normally. You normally hear me preach, but I got to reach to you today. I got to talk to you today. I want to talk to you on this subject, moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Let us pray today. Lord, we love you, and we are so thankful to feel your power and your presence in this house today. You are here. Your power is here. It's tangible. And Lord, I pray now that you would use this word to encourage us, to grow us, to mature us. I pray, Lord, you would use this word today to activate us, to let us see what you see and feel what you feel and reach into the harvest as you would have us reach into the harvest. And Lord, I pray now that this word would not be something that we just hear, but it would be something that we do as well. And we'll be so careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And would the church lift their voice and with one voice somebody shout amen? Amen. And you may be seated again to all of our guests today. Thank you for being in the house and uh, welcome home and we love you already. We're glad you're here. Amen. Moved with compassion. As I... Preach this message today, you will see how common this thread is in the New Testament church. That thread of being moved with compassion. There are a few things that move us more powerfully than love. If you were here a couple weeks ago, I preached a sermon on our Vision Sunday Truth, Love, and Unity. And the church, the, the, the church in the house will know it today. We are committed to truth. We lead with love and we fight for unity. That is our core concept here at Truth Chapel. And we are committed to truth and I'm thankful that we are committed to truth. And we are committed to truth no matter who it offends or who it doesn't offend. We're committed to truth whether it's popular or unpopular. We're committed to truth whether the world says yay or nay. We're committed to truth. And that truth isn't always um, exciting and it's not always popular, but it is the truth. And it is the truth that will set you free. Somebody said amen. But we have to speak that truth in love as Ephesians chapter 4 will remind us. It is not just the truth spoken. But is the truth spoken in love? You can speak the truth the wrong way. There is a wrong way to tell the truth. And everybody in this room at some point in your life have been the recipient of somebody telling you exactly what you needed to hear, but in the most brutal way you couldn't even receive it. Yes, it's the truth, but but the way you're telling me is awful. And we live in a time where people are so brazen with the truth, but not afraid of who they'll hurt with it. There is, a, there is a needed format and a needed formula for this, and I believe that that needed formula is a word called compassion. Because compassion is, is more than just love, but it's also empathy. Compassion is where you take on the feeling of other people and you feel what they feel and you try to understand where they are instead of judging you try to see yourself in their shoes that is the term compassion compassion is more than just i love you but compassion is i care for you and i and i and i want to know your story and this is where jesus finds himself Uh, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And thank God for that. But can I tell you that when Jesus came, God manifest in flesh, he came with a human heart and a human mind. And that human heart and that human mind was moved deeply with what he saw. When he saw it, he could not get around it. When he saw it, he could not avoid it. He was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. But when he realized these people are like sheep with no shepherd, he was moved with compassion. Nothing will move you like compassion. The problem with our world today is that it's hard to get us to move for anything. We don't move for nothing. Nothing makes us sad anymore. Nothing makes us happy anymore. You can't even scare us anymore. We've watched too many movies, read too many books, been exposed to too much stuff. You can't move us anymore. The American human mind is unmovable. We can watch the most brutal thing and don't even care about it. We can watch cops kill people and we don't even care about it. We watch babies being murdered every day, and we don't even care about it. It doesn't move us. We may feel a tinge of something, and we may get mad enough to send a tweet. Or we may care enough to say, you're in my prayers. But where is compassion in 2023? Where is it at? Where are the people that will say, you know what? This moves me. This moves me so much, I have to do something about it. Jesus was unable to look upon the harvest and not get involved in the harvest. He had so much compassion, he had to get involved. And here's how he got involved. He looked at his disciples. Oh, hallelujah. Let me tell you what Jesus does when he's moved with compassion. He looks at the church. Let me tell you right now, Jesus has all power in heaven and in earth. And if he wanted to, he could have spoke a word and everybody in that multitude would have been saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized and done. But Jesus knew that he could not do that. So he turned to the disciples. He looked to the church. Let me tell you, Uh, Today, that God's tool in this world for harvest is still the church. The church cannot sit back and wait for somebody else to do it. We cannot sit back and wait for somebody else to take the reins. We cannot sit back and hope that somebody will reach these people. Can I tell you today that Jesus is looking at us and he's saying the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. There's not a problem with the harvest. There's a problem with the laborers. There is no shortage of harvest. There is a shortage of laborers. I've been in church pretty much my entire life, and what I continue to hear all the time is, man, God's sending revival, hogwash. He's not sending nothing. He, it's already here. It's been here. It's always been around us. Man, the harvest is coming. No, 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 no. It ain't coming. It's been here. The harvest is living down the street. The harvest is living 75 feet from your front doorstep. The harvest is living across the road from you. The harvest is drinking coffee beside you. The harvest is sitting on the bus with you. The har. don't tell me he's about to, see. he ain't about to do nothing. He already did it. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers, there are few. We're not looking for harvest, we're looking for laborers. That's why Jesus tells them in verse 38 of Matthew chapter 9, he said, pray, pray. Don't pray for the harvest, but pray to the Lord of the harvest that he can send what? Laborers. God send us laborers. Uh -uh. We want warriors, but God is sending laborers. And so we want, we want everybody to be a soldier. We want everybody to be a warrior. But that's not what Jesus asked for. He asked for laborers. People that will get in and do the work. People that will reach people. People that will talk to people. People that will just get in and get involved and do something. Laborers. I used to work as a laborer when I was a teenager. I was a day laborer. Some of y'all ain't ever worked like this. But let me tell you. When you're a day laborer and you're just working per day, I worked in Raleigh, North Carolina during the dot-com boom in in the mid-90s, early to mid-90s, and they were building houses on every blade of grass in the Triangle area. And I worked for a company called Greystone, and I worked for $10 an hour under the table. Don't tell Uncle Sam about that. Cash money on Friday. And I was a laborer. That was my title. When I went to work, I wasn't a carpenter. I was, they, they called me, he just a laborer. And guess what I did as a laborer? Everything. That's what I, listen, I was like 16 years old, making $10 an hour, getting up. They would pick me up at 4.45 a.m. in the morning. I'd get in this little truck, my parents were crazy. My parents were out of control. My first job I had, I was 13. And a guy in my church would pick me up at midnight from my home. I was 13. Pick me up at midnight, and I would help him bake cakes and cookies and pastries all night long till 6 a.m. in the morning. He paid me 3.75 dollars an hour. And my parents let me. These people were wild. I, looking back now, I realized we was broke. <laughs> Hey, man, they needed their little boy to go do something. So I could buy my own, uh, I was about to say my own Jordans, but man, I, the first pair of Jordans I owned, I was a 40-year-old man. Um, I, I, some kangaroos. Here, so you remember them rules? That's from Family Dollar. That's what I'm talking about. I, I Like pick and pay was something great to me. I'm like, man, y'all went to pick and pay. That's crazy. That's back when Reebok was big time and, and champion, they sold champion at Walmart. Now, you, now you can't buy a sweatshirt. 45 55 95 $150. Y'all crazy. I bought this at Walmart for $5. When I was working as a laborer. And as a laborer, sometimes I cut wood and sometimes I just picked up wood. They would pick me up early in the morning. We'd drive to the job site. They would sit in the truck with the heat on. They would make me get out the truck, go to the burn barrel, and start a fire. They'd be in the truck warm. But the laborer had to do whatever needed to be done to get the day going. Listen, we used to work on scaffolding. It's a true story. I would go to the burn barrel, I would get a fire started, I would take the scaffolding, which would be covered in ice, and I would let the I would push the scaffolding across the top of the burn barrel like this. And to, to thaw it out, the fire would be blazing. I'd just be slowly pushing the scaffolding across the burn barrel so it would thaw out so we wouldn't fall to our deaths while well, we were trying to put siding on a three-story house. And I picked up trash, and I, I, I cut siding. And, but, but, but you know what I did as a laborer is I learned how to work. I learned how to get up early. I learned how to be consistent. I learned how to show up, and I just learned how to work. And I learned that sometimes the job isn't always easy. And sometimes the job doesn't always come with the title. You, you, I was trash man one day, and I was cut man the other day. But it didn't matter. I was just a laborer. And the problem in the kingdom of God is we all want name badges, and we all want an office with a view. And what God is trying to get us to see is I'm not praying. I'm not praying I'm not, I don't want you to pray that God will send forth warriors. I want you to pray that God will send forth laborers. Just people that would get in, get involved, and do whatever had to be done to make it happen. Moved with compassion. The problem is, is that Jesus was moved with compassion, but the disciples were just being obedient to him They weren't moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. I pray today that before I'm done preaching, that the compassion of heaven would leave that place and fall on truth chapel and God would pour a holy compassion on this church. Thank all 17 of you. Because I know some of you don't want it. Because you know it comes with work. You know it comes with time. You know it comes with energy. You know that if you really fall in love with people, you're going to have to do something about it. And we're so busy being saved, we forgot what it was like when we were living in darkness. And somebody came alongside us. Paul had to remind the early church. Paul had to remind the early church. He said, such were some of you. Don't forget it. Don't forget that such were some of you. Don't you dare forget that one day you needed somebody to get into the harvest. Don't you forget that one day somebody found you and loved you through your mess and through your troubles. And through. Don't forget that somebody showed up. Oh, yeah. Yeah what he did he got involved he said he was moved with compassion and Jesus heard of it in Matthew 14 13 through 14 in Matthew 14 13 through 14 Jesus heard of it he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart and when the people had heard thereof they followed him on foot out of the cities and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion Toward them, and he healed their sick. Here's what we have to see in the New Testament is this, is that compassion always preceded the miracle. Compassion always preceded the ministry. We got so many people in the church saying, Lord, where's my ministry? But what the Lord is asking is, where is your compassion? You know what? People that are deeply in love with lost souls never ask me. Let me say that again. People that are deeply in love with lost souls never come saying, what do I need to do? How do I need to do it? Most of the time, people that are deeply in love with lost souls say, Pastor, we want to let you know we're down here in downtown Atlanta. We're just passing out some, some flyers and we're loving on people because compassion always precedes the ministry. But compassion always precedes the miracle as well. There's a miracle that's going to happen in this city, but it won't be because we're a good church. There is a miracle that's going to happen in this city, but it won't be because we have a nice building with nice lights and a good preacher and some good music. There's a miracle that's going to happen in this city, and it'll be because the saints of God said, Lord, let me fall in love with my neighbor. Let me fall in love with somebody who ain't here. Let me get him... Oh, can I tell you, I'm not happy having two services on a Sunday. I'm not happy that this building is only occupied two days a week. I'm not happy with that because my heart says there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. So I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray the Lord would send forth labor into the heart. Compassion precedes the miracle. Oh, the release of the gifts have always been compassion. There is a gift in everyone in this room, but the catalyst for that gift to come to fruition is love. That's why we lead with love because when you lead with love, Something happens in the supernatural. I experienced this one time, and some of you have heard this story before, but I was in Houston, Texas at a healing crusade, and there were probably about 7,000 people in the room, this auditorium that we had, and I was on the stage with about 25 or 30 ministers, and they had asked me to attend and be here for this healing crusade. They said people are going to get healed, people are going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, great things are going to happen. Blinded eyes are going to be open. We're going we're to see miracles. And there had been a big lead up to this night. This was probably about 2011 maybe, 2010. And we're in Houston. and It's about 7,000 people in the room. And the power of God is moving so powerfully. And we asked people, if you need a miracle, come forward. If you need a miracle, come forward. We had a massive, massive altar area. If you need a miracle, come forward. And they had charged us. We had been fasting and praying. The men on the stage... That when we would go out into that crowd and we would begin to lay hands, that we would see miracles, signs, and wonders, that people would receive their healing. Amen. I still believe that God is a healer. Let me, let me. Be very, very plain in this moment right here. I do not believe that the miracles were only for the New Testament church, but I believe that miracles, signs, and wonders can happen in this building today. If you're sitting in this room and you have cancer, God can heal you today. If you're blind, God can open your eyes. If you're deaf, God could unstop your ears. Amen. You see, you see what I'm talking about? It's about maybe 25% of the room really believes what I'm saying because we ain't seen it in so long. We forgot that it really happens. But diabetes can be healed today and arthritis can come right out of your bones right now. I still believe that God is a miracle worker and that he can heal, renew, and restore. Same God right now as back then. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change, he does not slumber, and he does not sleep. And I was standing at the edge of that stage, and they were saying a prayer of faith. And as I looked down in front of me, just to my left, there was a woman, and in front of her was a little girl, maybe about eight years old. She had her shoulders, she had her hands on the shoulders of that little girl. I just assumed that was her daughter. This mother was weeping. It's not that kind of cry that we are so familiar with. It was a weeping cry. And at the time, at the time I had two daughters around the same age, something happened to me on that stage when I looked down. Because, you know, I was just involved in the service. You know, I was just involved in the moment and God's going to do a great thing. And I was being so spiritual that I lacked compassion Oh, listen, we can church it so good, y'all, we can forget that God called us to love. We can church it so good, we can forget the, 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 the compassion side of this thing. And my heart went out to this lady and that little girl. I felt love for that child as if she was my own child. I thought, I don't know what's going on with this kid. She might have six months to live. And the way this mother was crying, I thought, what if that was my kid down there? And something happened inside. And as I'm standing there having this moment where I'm falling in love with this little girl. And I'm seeing her as my own child. And I'm thinking, man, this is, I can't imagine what this little girl is going through. What this mother is going through with this child apparently is something awful. Uh, uh, One of my friends, he was here just a few months ago, Nick Mahaney, uh, came and preached for us. Nick touched my arm and I looked over and it was Nick. He kind of pulled me out of the moment. And Nick looked at me and said, God is going to heal thousands of people, y'all. He said, God is going to heal that little girl right there through you. How did he know who I was looking at? There's there's probably 2,000 people in that altar. I didn't wait for the prayer to be over because when you move with compassion, you don't care about the schedule. When you really get moved with compassion, you don't even care about the protocol, how it should be done. I didn't even wait for the prayer to end. I just come down the steps. I laid hands on that little girl. I just laid hands on her. I felt the power of God on that child. I laid hands on her mother. I felt releasing the Holy Ghost. I moved throughout the crowd and began to pray. The the prayer was over and we just began to pray. Prayed for hundreds of people that night. Probably hundreds of miracles happened in that room. There was crazy miracles that happened in that room that night. It was a powerful moment. When it was all said and done, I'm about to leave and... A young man came and grabbed me. He said, hey, man, my name is Darren. I want to I wanna, I wanna talk to you for a minute. And as he walked me across the front of the stage, he walked me, and I looked, and there was a, that woman and that little girl sitting on the edge of where the seats were in that stadium. And when they saw me coming, they got up, and the little girl was kind of stumbling a little bit. And I thought, oh, Lord, Jesus. God, you didn't do it. <laughs> Whatever she needed, maybe she didn't have and he grabbed me. He said, hey, don't worry about her stumbling. He said, we're going to tell you the story. I said, okay, what's going on? He said, this is my daughter, Emily. And when we came here t- tonight, Emily has, was born deaf in her left ear. And she's had a lot of procedures done. But tonight when you laid hands on her, God restored The hearing in her ear. And now she's trying to figure out her equilibrium because she's never heard out of that side of her head before. She can't even walk. She's trying to figure it out just now. Unbelievable miracle. But now for the rest of the story. A year later, I was at a conference in Katy, Texas. And I looked across the crowd and I saw the same young man. And he was smiling at me, and he looked at me and said, after church, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, cool. So I met him at the church, and he said, man, let me tell you what God has done. I said, man, that's exciting, man. Emily can hear. He said, no, man, you're not hearing me. You got to listen to what God did. He said, we took her to the doctor. The doctor tested her, and she can hear perfectly. I said, man, come on. He said, no, you're not understanding He said, this is her doctor from when she was born. He said, when she was born, she had a degenerative bone disease. And the bone in her head, which is called the resounding bone, was decaying. And the doctor had to remove the bone. So because she had to remove the bone, She said, Emily will never hear out of the left side of her head. He said, but the doctors brought us into her office. And she said, what have you done to this child? And they said, we didn't do anything. God touched her. She said, I don't believe you. Something's not right. She said, Emily can hear. And they said, yeah, we know she can hear. She said, no, I removed the bone from her head. And I just did the x-rays. And there is still no bone in there. She said she doesn't even have the equipment to to even hear. So every day that she hears is another miracle. Every sound she hears is another miracle. You can't tell me that God can't do it. You can't tell me that he ain't a healer, that he ain't a provider, that he won't change your situation when you are moved with compassion. Somebody shout, move me. Move me for my family. Move me for my neighborhood. Move me for my coworkers. Move me for my lost loved ones. Move me. Move me. Move me. Move me. I'm almost finished. Brother Hewling, Brother Bryson, get ready for me. I'm almost finished. Uh, not only did it tell us to have compassion for the harvest, but he said have compassion one to another. Have compassion one to another. Love his brethren in 1 Peter 3, 8, 9. Have compassion one to another. Love his brethren. Be pitiful. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Oh, yeah, the love that we have for the world should also be examined right here in the church among the brothers and the sisters of the Lord. But I got one more verse I want to read you and I'm going to be finished. In Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1. I should just say Jude because ain't but one chapter. In Jude, verse 21, watch what he says. He said, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. It is, our world is so full of junk that it's hard to keep ourselves in the love of God. It's easy to see all this mess going on. It's easy to see all this trouble going on and fall out of the love of God and start hating on people and judging people. We live in such a divisive world that it's so hard for us to keep ourselves in the love of God. We have to keep ourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. Looking for the mercy This is our task today, is to keep ourselves in the love of God and look for the moments of mercy. And here's what he says, verse 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Here's what I want to tell you, that you don't have to reach them all to make a difference. Just some is a difference. Just one is a difference. And of some have compassion, making a difference, 23, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. That's what compassion does. Compassion understands this concept, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And compassion understands this concept that gates don't move. The gates of hell are not chasing us today. The gates of hell are not encroaching upon us today. The gates of hell, that, that is a static location. It is a stationary place. The church are the ones who should be going to the gates and pulling them out by the fire. You know what compassion does? When you're moved with compassion, compassion will go right down to the gates of hell and pull out a loved one and say, devil, you can't have them. Huh? Devil, you can't take them. Huh? They're God's child, and I'll do whatever I gotta do to save a lost soul. I'm coming to a close. How do we do it, Pastor Chavis? Good message, Pastor Chavis. Hoorah, but how do we do it? Sounds good, doesn't it? I hope I moved you today with my message. I hope I put a feeling in your heart that you need to reach somebody. But I'm not just about feelings. You know that. I'm about facilitating the feeling. How do we do it? What does it look like? How do we attain it? How do we get it? I'm going to tell you here in just a moment, but stand with me. Before I tell you what we're going to do, I want you to pray. Today's service is going to be a little bit different because today's not just about crying, feeling sorry and making a, you know, making a statement to God that God, I'm going to do better, but today's about commitment. What the Lord needs is a committed church to a committed cause to say, I will go. A committed church that says, Lord, Lord, Whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. I want to be involved. Let me have a hand. Let me have a part. Give me a shovel. Give me a hammer. I'll be a laborer. I'll get up early. I'll make the fire. I'll get out there. And I'll be the trash man one day and the cut man the next day. doesn't matter. I'll do whatever I got to do. I'll be a labor. requires commitment. So here's what I want us to do. Before I get to this next part, I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray, Lord, baptize me with a compassion. Not just for the world, but a compassion for the people that are right around me today give me a compassion for my brothers and sisters that sit in the pew, but also give me a compassion for my coworkers on the job, my lost cousins and my lost friends. Give me a compassion for my lost high school friends and my lost college buddies. God, give me compassion for the lady in the checkout counter, the waiter at the restaurant. God, give me a compassion to reach somebody. To tell them that Jesus loves them. To tell them that I know a way. There is a name that is above every name. Would you pray that right now? Would you lift your voice and would you pray that right now all over this building? Would you pray that God would baptize you with that passion? Baptize you with that burden? Would you pray that God would move you? God move the church once again. Move us like you moved us in the past. Move us with compassion. Move us with purpose. Move us with a plan. God, move me. Come on, would you pray that? God, move me. God, move me. God, move me. I'm not worried about nobody else right now. God, just me. God, do a work in me. Do something in me that I can't contain it. And I have to be moved with compassion. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.